coming up this week off screen. The Dark Knight Returns for the Lego Batman movie. Denzel Washington mends fences. Interstellar romance blossoms in the space between us. Alice Lowe gets some prevenge. Billy Lynn takes a long halftime walk. A trio of tales love true. And Soviet Russia brings about a bitter harvest. All those to come and more off screen. This is this is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Ooh, welcome to Offscreen. I'm Van Connor. I'm Case Allen. So, Mr. Allen, big week yes. of films. Um, yeah, what, quite a few. I'm one talking. that we've not been able to review, and then one that we were physically not able to to, to see. Um, yeah, we just weren't in the right place or the right time. <laughs> not the right Neither. place, not the right time, and no. apparently Fifty Shades too light. So, um, <laughs> before we get to uh, the the, the, well, the other seven films we've got to cover, then mm. and the still a big uh, week, yeah, still a big week, and the box office top ten. You've got to fill us in with some film news and kick us off this week. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about one of our favourite uh, franchises, shall we? Oh, oh, is it the G.I. Joe series? No, it's not, because no human on Earth has that as their favourite franchise. Joke's on you. It's it, No, man, I, I can't claim it's one of my favourites. I really can't. Not at all, but you can say that Sharknado is. Sharknado is definitely one yeah. of my favourite movie franchises. What you got for me on the Sharknado front? I have news that the fifth Sharknado film has been officially greenlit. Oh. We did sort of know this was coming anyway, we because did. it's just... Well, there was a mock- yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like it's like five pounds to make. Well, there things. was a poster in a marketing show in yes. in in the US a month or two back, mm. and it it was called Sharknado Five Earth Zero. <laughs> Earth Zero yes, yeah. and that is still the title for the film. Excellent. But now we've kind of got like a bit of a premise of what's going to be happening. Uh, the Sharknados are going global. Excellent. So we'll be seeing Shark- <laughs> we'll be seeing Sharknados in London, yeah, in Japan, they are in filming- Bulgaria. Of yeah, all they places. are filming in the UK, aren't they? Yeah, uh, UK and Australia. And yeah. wow, I just love that the logline says "and even Bulgaria." <laughs> so, like, oh my god. Well, you know, they did yeah. get Gerard Butler, so, you know, they got Gerard Butler in uh, in London, in Bulgaria. So, That's it. you know, once you've done that, you've got to get every franchise after that. I mean, Of course. You've, pe- you've peaked but, um, with, with, with we'll, we'll be having uh, our annual Sharknado sci-fi fest, will we have it, that? The new one always premieres on my birthday every it year. <laughs> it's so annoying. One year we are going to have that Sharknado Shark- Sharknado-shaped birthday. birthday gift. Yeah, please. Sharknado party. We're having that for my birthday one of these years. Right, so um, oh, let's let's do a quick review then. Let's get the. This is going to be the biggie of the week. Yes. This is without doubt the biggest <clears throat> movie of this mm. week, possibly even this month, because Oscars schmoskers. Let's talk yeah, about the Lego Batman. <laughs> let's talk about the Lego Batman movie then. Yeah, non more black. <laughs> exactly. Um, or really, really dark grey. And and you see, the fact that you laugh at that tells me that you're predisposed to like this, because you were a fan of the Lego movie, weren't you? I was. And this, of course, is the first of... I, I have a soul, so yeah. Yeah, you've got a soul, beating heart. heart, the ability yeah. to cry. You could, you, you're a fan. Um, this is the first of what's going to be many, many Lego movies to come, because we've got Le- Lego Ninjago? Yes. Not Ninjago, Ninjago. Ninjago, I believe. Yeah. And then it's the Lego movie sequel. Then there's a Wacky Races type one. And there is, yeah. Yeah. And that one's going to be written by Jason Siegel. And hold Yeah, on. that's the billion dollar brick race. Or something, something like that. Billion brick race? Something, something like that. yeah. So this is the first one. So the litmus test now is does the Lego thing 
carry on? Can that quality level be sustained past just the Lego movie? So what they've done is they've taken the character, the Batman character, from the Lego movie, and we've now followed him as he's gone off back to his own Lego world of Gotham City and just living his regular life. And for all intents and purposes, this is just a Batman story that happens to be in Lego form. Hmm. And... You know, never the twain shall meet. Um, what you've got then is a Batman who can just effortlessly take out, you know, armies of, of teamed up supervillains, so Catwoman, Penguin, Joker, etc. And having done that for what seems to be the 50th time, uh, the Joker unleashes, you know, we are each other's greatest enemies. Batman is very much in the position of, <laughs> no, we're not. You mean nothing to me. And breaks the Joker's <laughs> little heart. And so the Joker goes off to concoct uh, another evil scheme. Batman, meanwhile, is facing another crisis entirely, namely that he's facing loneliness. He, he's facing loneliness, but at the same time, he's too terrified to, to be part of another family. Into this mix comes Barbara Gordon. Oh, I forgot to say, Will Arnett is back as Batman from... Yeah, like, of course he is. Yeah. Into this mix comes Barbara Gordon, who's Rosario Dawson, because ultimate geek casting right there. And then uh, you've got Robin, who's... Well, not Robin. Uh, Dick Grayson, played by Michael Sarah, who... who He's going to become Robin when he accidentally discovers the Batcave, because that's every conceivable version of Batman. And so the idea is, can he let his guard down? Can he let these two into his life? Can he be part of the family and stop the Joker's latest evil scheme? And it's a Lego movie, and a superhero wants it. Odds are you could probably guess the outcome, but uh, who cares, because it's so much fun. Here is the Joker and Batman facing off. I got you. Oh, yeah? Well, there's only one problem. Who's going to defuse the bomb? It's got to be one or the other, Batman. Save the city or catch your greatest enemy. You can't do both. I'm sorry, what did you just say? You can't do both, I said. No, I mean the other thing. Save the city or catch your greatest enemy. You think you're my greatest enemy? Yes, you're obsessed with me. (sighs) No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Who else drives you to one-up them the way that I do? Bane. No, he doesn't. Superman. Superman's not a bad guy. Then I'd say that I don't currently have a bad guy. I am fighting a few different people. What? I like to fight around. So, yeah, Zach Galifianakis is the Joker. I think we were trying to place that voice. I think. No, no, I I, uh, I knew the voice, mm. absolutely. Um, the little clip, it sounded like the climactic scene of Batman Forever. Oh, it does. When he's supposed it, yeah. to choose between Robin or uh, Nicole Kidman. <laughs> Bruce Wayne's girlfriend or uh, a Dark Knight's junior partner. Yes. <laughs> yes. On and point, Jim Carrey. I can I can quote every line from Batman Forever, and so can Chris Wilson. Yeah, and, and that will be the film, uh, the uh, podcast extras this week. That really will. Yeah. Uh, right. So. This is one of those movies that has uh, impressive appeal across different sort of audience dynamics, mm. different demographics. So, on the one hand, you have the Lego movie crowd. And the Lego movie crowd includes children, it includes parents, it includes really, really um, uh, charitable grandparents who are yeah. willing to put themselves through it. Let's just say most people. So, most people. Yeah. And Batman's then, been around for a while. That's it. And then you've got the Batman audience. And what they've done cleverly is you've got a Lego movie sequel. You've also got the great Batman movie that you've always wanted to see. Here is a Batman movie that takes every conceivable portrayal you've ever seen of The Dark Knight, and it all counts. Hmm. It all yeah, everything's it, canon. It, it's isn't continuity. It? Yeah. It's all part of the continuity. So the Adam West series is part of this. Wayne Island from like the forties is <laughs> part of this. Everything the bat shark repellent is in there. There is even oh, there's even a sequence of still images that they chuck in as a little Easter egg, and in it are some comic book covers rendered for Lego that will just blow your mind. It is genuine. Its attention to detail is stunning. It is bitingly funny. 
However, mm-hmm. it's also, it, and this is a double-edged sword here. So what you've got is a movie that has roughly three jokes a minute. Okay? That's a good That's ratio. Good ratio. Right. right. Yeah. Two of them miss. One hit. So you can still genuinely call it a laugh-a-minute film, and it really genuinely is a laugh-a-minute film. But what what's not included in that are the two jokes that didn't quite work in there. And, yeah, the, for instance, the movie begins with, you know when the Warner Brothers logo comes up? Yeah. Right, you, you literally, it opens with a black screen. It's, darkness. Good movies start with a dark screen. And then it's the Warner Brothers logo. And then the Warner Brothers logo. And then it's the next one, Rat Pack. I don't know what they do. And then it's the next one. And here's an inspirational quote. And, that, and, and yeah, and you think, okay. And it goes on just a little bit too long. It goes on kind of two steps further than it needs to. And there's a lot of that in the film. As a Batman movie, it's kind of brilliant because it, it explores something we've never seen before, which is the idea of quite a selfish, arrogant Batman. I like that idea. It's something that, strangely, they've never done in live action, and I really, really would like them to do it. Not quite the just read Ben Affleck one. Um, I like that idea. As a Lego movie, it works because it still quite clearly takes place within that world, and you can see this version popping off to go and help Chris Pratt and, and Elizabeth Banks. Um, Chris McKay, who comes from Robot Chicken, that's his, his big claim to him. He's directed this, and you can tell because the handling of the animated comedy really gels, and it gels in the way that it's quite clearly fallen under the eye of someone with a lot of experience doing mm. adult-centric <clears throat> animated comedy. It very much works. The story's by Seth Graham Smith, I believe, and uh, let's not dwell on his uh, his time in the DCEU, but because uh, he... <laughs> did he get sacked or Pretty fired short, from short Flash? But, well, sacked and fired is essentially the same thing. Did he get sacked or did he quit? Sorry, the, the, the Flash movie. One, one I think it was just a mutual parting of ways. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so Seth Graham Smith's written the story for this. It works. It is a compelling, interesting story. It would have worked kind of... In a strange way, it would have worked live action as well. You could have done a pretty good spoof of this. Like the Lego movie, it embraces both spoofery and satire in equal measure, and it plays them quite well. There's a lot of nods and asides, little in-jokes that you can't help but think, how did Warner Brothers ever let you get away with this? Chief amongst them being a line from Batman and saying, wow, a team of criminals teaming up to fight another criminal. That sounds like the stupidest idea ever. Hats off to them, because I kind of thought that sitting through Suicide Squad. But uh, it really works. It's going to entertain the hell out of you. If you've ever been a fan of any incarnation of Batman, you're going to be weeping for joy over this, because odds are it's getting name-checked. And if you're just a fan of the Lego movie, this is basically a sequel of sorts. It's more mm-hmm. of a spin-off than a sequel, but it's, it's more of the same. Everything is still awesome. That, that's the point. It continues to be awesome. It continues to be awesome. Awesomeness Fantastic. is sustained. That's Good. the important part. So, Shall we plug the podcast? The podcast, yeah, of course. Because, say, we've got seven films this week. Yes. We're not going to fit... I think we're going to fit four into the actual show. No, we're going to uh, talk about uh, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. Exactly. <laughs> we're not Come do- on, Ang. Yeah, we're not doing that in the we're not doing that in the radio edit. That's going because to be I feel like Van wants to rant. I, I will rant about that. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about uh, Love True. Oh and, yes, uh, Bitter Harvest. Do you know who produces Love True? Uh, Cavanaugh Wallace. It, it, close, Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> And Close enough. <laughs> also a young African-American girl, Shia yeah. LaBeouf. Um, yes. Um, yeah, a bit of Harvest, which is the Max Irons movie. Um, so we'll, we'll put all those on the podcast extras. All you need to do, if you want the extended edition of this show, just go on to uh, iTunes, Acast, Deezer, TuneIn, uh, download the off-screen extended podcast edition. It's all in there. And you get the moment of Cage at the end, which is always fun. And Case lets his hair down. He literally takes, the, takes his, his hair ties out, lets it all down. <laughs> I told you to tell no one about my hair ties. <laughs> hey, I didn't mention the gingham dress, right? Anyway, you uh, just did <laughs> competition plug. Let's let's talk competition. Yeah, because you you just told me about a competition that we have. 
we have. We've got uh, DVDs of Marauders. Do you remember Marauders? I it do. Was the, I uh, do. This came out of a Christmas. This was the Bruce Willis, Christopher Maloney, Dave Batista, Adrian Grenier, Jonathan Skeech movie. What a cast. What a cast. What a cast. And, and this kind of got dumped out on, on Boxing it's a, Day. Oh, it's a general who's who of who? <laughs> yeah. yeah, who is this Bruce Willis chap? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, we've got DVDs of that to give away. Pop along to onscreenfilm.com, go in the competition section, take chances, win some swag. That's always fun. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the onscreen radio show. And we're back. I don't know about you, Mr. Allen, but mm. uh, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the mood for some sci-fi romance. Cool. You just give me that look like, please stop looking at me when saying sci-fi romance <laughs> in that loving tone. I feel like you've been writing some weird fan fiction between me and you. <laughs> I'm a case fan shipper, that's what it is. <laughs> well, yeah, it has to be one, doesn't term, it? A sh- yeah, uh, a shipper. Shipper yes. is someone who writes fanfic about fictional characters do, having do, romances. Do you reckon someone has like shipped us? I don't know. I mean, it's, oh my God. it's entirely possible. I, I would read that for like five minutes. We're digging Norway. It's possible. You never I mean, know. yeah. But, cool. Uh, you know who else is big in Norway? Who? Raw Uthor. And we're back in the room. <laughs> yes. First <laughs> images of uh, Miss Vikander as Lara Croft. As Lara Croft, yes. Yeah. And awesome. Yeah, like, she looks apart. She, she looks, looks apart. exactly like the rendered Lara Croft from the video game cover. Because I've, oh, yeah. I've not played that game. I've literally only seen the game box. Um, you never played Croft, ever? No, no, I've, I've played the old PC games. Oh, but not the No, ones, not the yeah. newfangled yeah. console she, she versions. She looks like that. Excellent. She looks great. Yeah. And uh, Alicia Vikander as Lara Croft. It's just perfect yeah. casting. And Walter Goggins as a bad guy, I because know. he is great bad guy. You know what? If I can't have my dream of Denise Richards as Lara Croft, I'll take Miss Vikander. You but, will never have Dr. Christmas. <laughs> Christmas Jones, wasn't Christmas it? Jones. Christmas Jones. Yeah. So let's talk about The Space Between Us then. Yeah, um, which, okay. Does, does this come from a novel? Because it has a very much has a, a YA novel feeling to it. It's kind of like The Fault in the Stars. <laughs> it kind of is, yes. The Fault Hi-oh. in the Stars. Well played, Mr. Allen, well played. I'll be honest, I've been thinking about it for two days. Wow. <laughs> your, your, your teaching work is really going well. <laughs> Yeah, when the kids are just doing a project, I just sit there and just think of really terrible puns I can use on the show. Fair play, fair play. Okay, so this stars uh, Arza Butterfield and, uh, oh my god, her name's got... Uh, Brit, Brit Robertson. Brit Robertson. I was going to say Brit Marling. Um, right, and Brit Robertson, whose sole job now, it seems, is to turn up in, sci- in sci-fi road trip movies. This seems yeah. to be... It's her, her bag, isn't it? Like, don't know how this has happened, but this seems to be her entire gig Was she now in, in uh, Tomorrowland? She was that Tomorrowland the Tomorrowland yeah, girl, yeah. I thought so. She was good about Right, this is actually an incredibly interesting story. So what you've got, you've got this sort of Richard Branson-type, Elon Musk-esque tycoon who seems yeah. to be running NASA, but it's never really specified. And uh, he's launching the first uh, manned mission to Mars, where they've already built, like, a colony, like a big glass okay. dome so shopping we've, we've, we've still got people up there. We've got people. Right, that's the idea, and um, he, he sends his, his team of astronauts, and you've got uh, the lead. The lead astronaut is uh, a young young female astronaut who, about two months into the into the journey, discovers she's pregnant. Unbeknownst to her, she's two months later. She discovers she's pregnant. She had no idea before she left Earth, and now faced with the prospect of abandoning the mission or pushing forward, they elect to push forward and also keep it relatively quiet. The baby is then born on the ship, but because the baby has been born in zero gravity and has developed as a fetus through zero gravity, the baby has 
an intolerance for basically the level of sustained gravity that Earth would have. So if the kid ever sets foot on Earth, his bones will be crushed instantly. He's dead. He's yeah, dead, yeah. He's think Mr. Glass and Unbreakable. Because I think that's one of his alibi stories at one point. He actually claims to have uh, the exact condition that Samuel Jackson does. Right. The mum dies in childbirth. The kid, it is then decided, will be raised on Mars in the colony and kept from the world. They do still give him internet access, though, which seems really, really odd. And you're trying to keep someone <laughs> give them a secret, and then you're like, oh, hey, kid, here's a Twitter account. <laughs> I mean, he's he's kind of a hacker. He's yeah. kind of a boy genius. Obviously, he grows up to be Arza Butterfield, so seven, 16, 17 years later, he's Arza Butterfield. Yep. And he's kind of a boy genius. Maybe he's hacking through, I don't know. And um, he's, he's like email pen pals with Britt Mar- Brit Marling, Britt Robertson's character. He then gets a trip back to Earth with his new sort of guardian-slash-adoptive mother who's played by Carla Gugino. Because it's a film. Because it's a film. Yeah. And they, they come up with carbon rods that they can put through his bones and things like that. And Exactly. Very cool. And uh, he arrives on Earth decides he's going to bust out and go and find his real father. Teaming up with, can you guess who? Britt Marling. No, wait. Britt Robertson. Exactly. Here's a clip. Tossa? Tossa? It's, it's me. It's Gardner. Oh, what what was that for? Why did you ghost me like that? Ghost? Yeah, you completely threw me off. You didn't return any of my messages. I told you I was taking a trip. For seven months, people have phones. You know, you can text, email. I couldn't contact you. It was a it was a very specific type of travel. Very specific type of travel. Who even talks like that? Tulsa, can you slow down? This gravity's it's very heavy. Oh, I'm sorry that this is heavy for you, but I really do not appreciate being blown off by the one person who I don't. Tulsa, I would, I would never ghost on you. Okay, I've actually gone through quite a lot to get here. The only person who what? Who I don't hate. I actually do think Britt Robertson has something of a young Julia Roberts quality about her. It's just a shame she only gets this one same role over and over. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like uh, Jennifer Lawrence right at the very start of her career Exactly, yeah. Pretty much that. Um, Like Winter's Bone. J-Law. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Pre-David pre, uh, pre O. Russell, uh, J-Law. That's yeah. what it is. <laughs> Pre-every movie has to be directed by David O. Russell. Okay. Um, now, I, I did like this. Now, you can be very, very cynical about this and just dismiss it. Um, That's what I did when I saw the trailer and the poster. Yeah, I mean, you can see it. You can, you know, sit through the whole thing, dismiss it as, you know, YA-centric waffle, or you can avoid seeing it and do it anyway. Um, mm. the, the point is, I sat there, I quite enjoyed it. Uh, just for what it is, on its own good intentions, it actually does work. It's less about the romance angle than you'd expect, and more about the search for the the you know the would be father figure. Mm. Um, the performances in it are genuinely earnest. They're actually quite impressive for what the film is. The performances are actually slightly overstocked. They're overqualified. They're overamped for what this needs to be. And central to all this is Arza Butterfield, obviously, who is still great. Arza Butterfield. He like doesn't turn in a bad performance, yeah. does he? You forget about him between films, but, you know, he's pretty good. I often get him confused with many other similarly aged <laughs> child actors. You mean those, he... those four actors who just go up for all the same parts yeah, all the like time? Yeah, like we all went for Spider-Man at the same time. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So um, you think he he's was, Tom Holland? He was, but... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but he was uh, Hugo. He yep, was, yeah, yeah. He was Hugo. Hugo and Ender. That's, that's and Ender. That's how I remember. Was. I, yeah. I, I like Ender's game more than I like Hugo. So was he in Miss Peregrine? Yes, he was. Yes. There you go. There See, we go. now we're starting to tell them all apart. But is he? Is he Nightcrawler? 
no, that was Cody Smith McPhee. See, I get, I get him confused. That's the as well. other seventeen-year-old boy with the moppy yes. hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who isn't Tom Holland? That so, one. Uh, the director. Go on. Who you got for me? Who's the director? This one? Uh, a guy called uh, Peter uh, Chelsom. That was it. I, yeah. I couldn't place him. I saw. Oh, he's the, from Blackpool. He's from Blackpool. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, I, say, I enjoyed Arthur Butterfield in this. Um, Britt Robertson is very likable. I think she has mm. got some chops, but she never gets to use them. Is she more likable than uh, Britt Marley? Well, that one's a judgment call. Very different actresses. Very, very different. Uh, one starred in, in Danny Boyle's Babylon, the other didn't. So, oh, Babylon. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I know. It's never, never getting a second series. But anyway, um, and then you've got Gary Oldman as this sort of Richard Branson-like kind of uh, figure, and I really like him in that part. Um, oh, y- y- your man Benny Wong turns up. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. B.D. Wong does turn oh, up. And Do- he's Dr. still... Dr. Wu. Yeah, he's still playing that B.D. Wong he's character. He's been B.D. Wong. Yeah, he's just yeah. being B.D. Wong. I love B.D. Wong. I'm pretty sure B.D. Wong just has a you know a, a stock message he gets from his agent. <laughs> Short to this set, be B.D. Wong. Yeah, we need a B.D. Wong type. I- exactly. So yeah. they just get B.D. Wong. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that's really it. Um, who's starting to look increasingly like a younger Val Kilmer. It's odd. but um, That is strange. It is, yeah. yeah. His but- agent changed her uh, ethnicity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hair length, weight, everything. Anyway, um, no, I did like it for what it is. It's very much in the vein of something like Earth Echo or even something like Monster Trucks. It is your standard, you know, protect the kid from the protect the alien from the government, get him home, whatever kind of journey. You know the yeah. type. Does what it says on the tin. And I liked it. It was, a, it was less about the, the romance than, than I thought it was going to be, which is a, a refreshing change of pace, to be honest. The romance is kind of incidental to it. And the story does kind of cave in on itself logic-wise, but it works. And, yeah. It, did, it sent me out of the singing, out of the screening room singing Hold Back the River, if I'm honest, but... Uh, oh, I'm I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah, I'm just going to put that out there, because it was either that or an Ed Sheeran song. And I, you know, <laughs> they, they went with Hold Back the River. But uh, Shall we uh, do the box office top ten? Yes. Part one. Let's get part one of the top ten done. Number ten. Jackie. Really loved this. This is apparently a favourite for the Best Actress performance now. It's between her and Isabel know. Huppert. I feel like the love has kind of dipped off a little bit. Like, really? she was a bit early frontrunner, and mm. then it was Isabel Huppert. Yeah. And then Emma Stone won the SAG Award. Ah, uh, very true. Very, so now very it's true. very much like a free horse oh, race. We shall see. Emma, Emma Stone is going to get an Oscar at some point in her career. This much is, is guaranteed. I, I'm better than Emma Stone right now. Yeah. Eh, fair enough. Uh, I do like the performance. I think the performance is great. And I think in terms of getting under the skin of Jackie Kennedy... I don't think anyone really could have done it better than she has. It's a really interesting performance in a really interesting film that, you know, if we're honest, is about planning a funeral. So, you know, imagine making that interesting. Number nine. I knew you were going to play that. (laughs) Gold. (laughs) Had to be done. Had to be done. I was about to sing it and then you played it. So Gold, which is not one of McConaughey's uh, better works. It's not part of the uh, McConaughey's. It's not part of the McConaughey's. It's not one of Stephen Gagan's better work because it lacks his sincerely analytical eye. Mm. It's got Edgar Ramirez basically sucking up screen time and oxygen for no reason. And you come away from it all thinking, yay, you know, Mac got to put on a bald hat and a fat suit. And, you know, cool. You know, nice. Make of that what you... It's just not very interesting. And I wanted more, given the calibre of the talent involved. And I'm excluding Edgar Ramirez from saying that, because Edgar Ramirez should not be allowed to appear in films anymore until he grows a personality. Number eight. Resident Evil, the final chapter-ish. Do we'll they see. promise? Is it going to be final chapter? Is, is that contractually binding? If they bring out a Resident Evil 7, can we do them under the Trade Descriptions Act? 
But uh, that's that's advertisement. Yeah. That's what I want to know. But uh, let's not forget that we had uh, the final destination once, and then they brought out Final Destination Five. So five null. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, so technically, you could have done them. But uh, no, um, Resident Evil. What can I say? It's more of the same, but with an ending. If 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 it's if it's the series that you've always guiltily pleasure, you know, had a guilty pleasure thing for, or you've actually enjoyed it, you're gonna feel the same about this one. And it comes with an ending. If, like me, you kind of just tolerate it and mm. enjoy every every third or fourth entry in the series, you'll think, meh, at least it's over. Number seven. Hello? Who is it? Yeah, terrible, terrible franchise. Should have never been rebooted. Oh, yeah, it's Rings. <laughs> um, did we uh, Did we actually review this? No, we didn't. We did not. We didn't. They didn't fresh show it, and I wasn't paying money to go and see Rings. So you, we've not seen it? We've not seen it. Then let's move on. Let's move on. Number six. Hacksaw Ridge. Which I loved. You loved this, didn't I you? I did love I really want to see it again. I, I want to see it again on a bigger screen. Mel Gibson on fine form. Welcome back, Mel. And thank you for getting a great performance out of Vince Vaughn, Sam Worthington, and Luke Bracey. And you know what? Let's chuck Andrew Garfield on the pile as well because he has put out some turkeys over the years, but not recently. He's been nailing it recently. What turkeys has he put out? What was that? Apart from the amazing Spiderman. Well, there was the amazing, amazing Spiderman. Yeah. Um, oh, well, there was one I saw him. I thought it was terrible. Uh, pass. He, he hits more than he misses. We'll say. Okay. okay. Well, I would say this is his best performance. Oh yes, definitely. Um, no, really enjoyed this. It was it was everything I needed to be and more. It was a gripping, solid war movie. It had a hokey hokey story that it somehow managed to pull off. And you think, wow, okay. Mm. Bear in mind, you know, we've seen what Mel Gibson can churn out on occasion. I don't think anyone is saying the Passion of the Christ was a particularly gripping story, no. but uh, Apocalypse, on the other hand, was. So. And and yeah, you know, and the man with man without a face that was pretty good. Oh yeah, but, uh, yeah. Everyone always forgets that it. one. But uh, yeah, so no, another win, Mel. You know what? You're three for four. I'll give you that. With the latest film news and reviews, this is off screen. And we're back, Top Gun style. So, do you want to give me some film news before we do prevenge? Yeah. So, uh, Jack is back. Jack is back. Yeah. Oh yes. 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 Oh God. I'm not yeah, talking about. Jackie is back. Okay, the, I, I misheard you as Jackie's back. But go as on. the oft-forgotten about nineties comedy starring David Howard Pierce and some lady whose name I've forgotten. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Jack is back. Jack Nicholson, that is. Yeah, this is yeah. gonna be his first project in a decade. Yeah, since uh, how do you know? Which was oh wow, Paul I never Wood. even saw that one. I saw it years ago. Yeah, that I didn't like, pay for. It. I was working. Two thousand eight cinema was on. No, it was two thousand and ten. Even 2010. so, oh, okay. he's been out of out of a game for a good. Six, ne- seven years. Yeah, it's nearly a decade now. Yeah, but... and he only works when he wants to work. Because so, what's bringing him back then? A certain film called Tony Erdman that oh, we reviewed yes. but last week, last week, <laughs> seven days ago. And we gave it film of the week actually as well. We did, yeah. And apparently, he's a fan as well because he saw the film, loved it, and was like, "I want to be in this. I want to remake this." Heard mm-hmm. there was going to be a remake and got in touch with um, uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Brilliant We're going to be producers. That's it because this is going out through the through Gloria Sanchez Productions, which is the new offshoot of Gary Sanchez Productions, which is their production label. I didn't know there was a new Sanchez in town. Yeah, there's uh, Gary Sanchez, which I think is the boys' one, and there's Gloria Sanchez, Sanchez which is the girls', girls one, one, because Kristen Wiig is part of Gloria Sanchez. There we go. And Kristen Wiig is going to play the daughter, which is great. This is great. This is like the un- the Untouchable remake. 
Yes. You know, taking a great European comedy, giving it the, the full A-list once and over. And putting Kevin Hart in it. And putting Kevin Hart in it, because yeah. that's going to be awesome. That's I what mean, happens in US remake nowadays. I personally would have cast Tyrese, but that's my answer to everything. <laughs> Just put Tyrese in it. It'll be fun. <laughs> well, Intouchable is Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston, isn't it? Yeah, it was supposed to be Colin Firth. Which, oh, to be wow. honest, I would have preferred. that Because that's, inter- that's an interesting diversion for him. It's something kind of new, actually. Yeah. Whereas I feel like, at some point, you will see Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston in a film together. And I feel like Colin Firth, you wouldn't think him to be no, in that film. it would have been interesting. I think yeah. there might be an age contingent. I think Cranston looks older than Colin Firth. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. He's more um, traditionally older. But nevertheless, I think this is pretty great. It's pretty great. Yeah. Tony, Tony Edmund, by the way, it was our film of the week last week. Go and see this movie if you if if you're in, if you want a genuinely enchanting German three hour dramedy, which I appreciate is not something you may often have an inkling for. <laughs> but uh, if if you ever have that particular itch, use this to scratch it. And yeah, I loved it. I, I can't wait to see this remake. I would have thought Ron Perlman would have made a great version. Well, of that's your language. answer for everything. Ron Who's going to be Cable? Put Ron Perlman in. Well, yeah. Until Pierce Brosnan comes along, but yeah. uh, okay. So tell me about uh, Prevenge because right. I'm really excited. About okay, this. you should be as well. This is really something. So this is the directorial debut of Alice Lowe, yes, who I didn't realise was also the writer of Sightseers, in which she also starred. Love and Sightseers. Where's that Ben Wheatley? Sightseers. Yes. That was Ben Wheatley yeah. because I think that ranks as my favourite one of his films. <laughs> I think it's that high rise. Uh, what's the one before Sightseers? Kill List. Yeah. I hated it. I love Kill List. Really? I love it. I'm going to fight you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we'll reenact to the ending. We will. Um, so this is, say, Alice Lowe's now gone the full hog. She's written this and directed it, wrote the theme tune, sang the theme tune, and also stars. And this is the story of uh, a young woman who's grieving the loss of her, uh, her significant other. And also is pregnant with his child. Now, as she nears uh, full term, she starts to hear voices which mm. are coming from the, the growing child in her belly, which are basically inciting her to kill. Now, the question then becomes, who is she killing? Why is she killing them? And is there any chance of her stopping or even getting caught? Let's just have a clip. I'm really sorry about your loss, and I know it's been very difficult for you. At the end of the day, you've got this force of nature now inside you. Baby knows what to do. Baby will tell you what to do. It's just nature's way. I think nature's a bit of an arse, though, don't you? You're getting better at this. I'm not in control. I don't want to know what's in there. I'm scared of her. I would swap her. Right, you ever seen uh, Psychoville? I have. Right, so Psychoville, Inside Number Nine. Those. Right, this is a movie. That that's basically what this this would not surprise you if it turned up as a storyline mm. on one of those you know Steve Pemberton, Reece Shearsmith kind of a series, and uh, seeing it play out in its just its full blooded life is really something. This is so off kilter. It is so well put together. It is glor- gloriously gory, completely excessive, utterly bonkers, freaky, fun, fulfilling. It's just it's a good time. And frankly, you wouldn't think that given the concept of it, which is 
kind of just weird. It's a bit mental. The baby, the baby I'm carrying is telling me to kill. But then, you know, it all comes down to Alice Lowe, who's carrying this entire film on literally every front, it seems. And she's also surrounded herself with a really, uh, with a cast who are as game for proceedings as she is. So her lead performance, as you can hear in the clip, is, it's actually quite engaging. It's, it's unusual. It's off kilter. It feels free flow at times. It feels almost effortless. Um, and then you've got the supporting cast, which includes, for instance, Kaven Novak. Oh, I love uh, him. Yeah. And uh, Kate Dickey turns up as well. Uh, Gemma Whelan from Game of Thrones turns up. And I couldn't place her for the first 10 seconds she was on screen. I was like, who is this chick? She seems, the voice seems familiar. <laughs> and it's uh, Greyjoy's yeah. sister, whose name I can never remember. Forgotten her name um, as well, actually. Yeah. Really, really, <laughs> really rate this. This is something. If you're a fan of this emerging sort of tongue-in-cheek level of British horror that's sort of coming up in the last couple of years, this is something you will definitely want to get on board with quickly. Um, I can't recommend it highly enough. I, I just thought it was great. It had not so much shock value, but just a gleeful energy to it. And it, it, very comparable to something like Sightseers. But yeah. uh, I say you were a fan of that. You're gonna love I, this. I absolutely love this. Y- you'll love this. I can't wait to see this. It's a very good companion piece. Something like Sightseers. I think she's kept that that tone going. This goes a little bit more deranged, I think, <laughs> but it does. There's nothing wrong with that. No one's complaining. You know, if you're in for a penny, in for a pound, go for it. That's it. Should we go straight to the top ten? Let's get about finished. Okay. Off. Okay. Let's let's finish the top ten. Number five, Lion, which I have seen. Have you seen now? No- right. What did you think? <clears throat> pretty good isn't it it's pretty good yeah. isn't it yeah I really enjoyed it um, I love that you don't know and I'm not going to say it here but I, you don't know why the film is called Lion until yes. we're right at the very end and it's not like it's a big plot point or anything it's, it's just one of those no, things it's a cherry on top you completely forget about it yeah it's a cherry to on top to the whole thing you, you get to the end they tell you why it's called oh right okay that's yeah. nice actually no um, all in all really really liked it a lot really strong performances uh, I feel like it does kind of drag a little bit in the middle just when he mm. he's been on Google Earth for two <laughs> three exactly, years yeah. and you feel it but then you get the payoff from that and it's yeah. it's completely worth it what i heard i heard it referred to as paddington google earth edition yeah, absolutely <laughs> did you see what i meant though when i said that you can be quite cynical about it it's, mm. it's a film that you can rather oh, yeah, cynically absolutely discuss. and i was really cynical before i saw it mm. because i feel for every single oscar season at least for the last five or six years there's always one film i know you there's mean. always a blind side yeah there's always a uh, extremely loud and incredibly close just yep. that extra film that gets the best picture nomination and you just that- like well, it's because it's that a lantern jaw cheesy one. Yeah, yeah. This isn't that film. This isn't. My mum watched it and uh, evidently bought. I wasn't there. She bawled her eyes out apparently, yeah. and has been talking it up to everyone she's encountered since. It's really good. Yeah. Um, by and large, my favorite thing about it, though, um, at one point he goes to university to do a hotel management course. Yeah. Bearing in mind, this is Dev Patel, of course, the star of Second Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. So I'm seeing this as like a prequel. Yeah, no, yeah. I, think, I think you totally could. Shared universe. Number four. Split. Split, which is apparently now getting a sequel. And Yeah, let's not talk about that here. Yeah. Because I, I know bits about it, but yeah, I don't, yeah, okay. I've not seen it yet. Apparently it's now getting a sequel. Um, right, I love the performances. I don't love the film. And I think that's I, that seems to be quite a common thing. If you ever if you actually ask people who've seen it, a, a common sentiment is actually it was all right, 
But I really like James McAvoy in it. Now, yeah. I actually like Anya like, Taylor-Joy as well. It's a really good idea for the film, it, but the yeah. execution... And he's, that's the thing, his performance in it is really something. Mm. And you think, just hats off to you, sir. Yeah. But, uh, I can't imagine Joaquin Phoenix doing that, because he was no. supposed to be the star. I, I can't either. I feel like James McAvoy brings an earthiness and sort of grounded sensibility to what otherwise could be quite a cartoonish kind of a character. Yeah. But uh, really something to see for that performance. But don't go in expecting old-school Shyamalan. Y- y- you're getting new-school Shyamalan. And, you're getting you know, the Blumhouse treatment. You're getting the Blumhouse. And, you know, new-school, old-school. School's out. Number three. Well, it's that, it's that film. That, 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 that musical that, that people, that people like people a lot. Seem, people seem yeah. quite keen people on it, don't it, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, what's, what's it called? I don't know, wacky, wacky world or <laughs> crazy, crazy town. <laughs> uh, la la land. la la land, which I really liked. You really liked. Yeah. Uh, audiences seem to really like. Yeah. It has not moved in the top ten. In fact, no. the top three haven't moved. The top four haven't moved. The top four. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. It's packing them in still. And oh yeah, it's it's made a metric butt ton of money. Yeah. What this must be my big piece on it for this week. Mm. Um. It's soundtrack. Is the number one best-selling album this week? Wow, really? Yeah, how impressive is that? That's that's really something. That, that's very noticed... rare for a film soundtrack. The last time it happened was uh, Le Mis. I've noticed on my Spotify, you know that feed at the side of Spotify tells you what your friends are listening yeah. to. A lot of listening to La La Land. Yeah, a lot um, of people just daydream about Ryan Gosling. Yeah, do you know what? Absolutely, who can blame them? Number two. That's a noise that I uh, make when I wake up, by the way. <laughs> so I wake up in the morning. Have you uh, seen T2 uh, I've not. Um, I'm hopefully going to see it this weekend with Split and potentially Prevenge. No, I'm, I'm looking see. forward to seeing what you make of, of Train Spotting. But uh, yeah, my expectations are not sky high for it. No, I, I would say go I, in. I love the first one. All I want is to just see them again, for them to have not really changed. That much, I, I expect the ransom will have changed the most. Very much so. He yeah. is just Ewan McGregor now, and yeah. <laughs> you know, make it that you will. But I say it's it's Ewan Bremner's film. Um, it's definitely evolutionary rather than actually being a, a kind of a worthy follow up. Its success and failures happen to be one and the same. Largely, that it is quite a middle age centric film as opposed to really hearkening back to anything that's come before. Um, yeah, I didn't dislike it. I, I, I was, I was interested in it. I, I want it to go, but it feels kind of aimless. And I know that that is kind of the point of the whole middle age, but it's meant to feel aimless. Mm. But, you know, whether it's meant to or not, aimless is not a good thing to sit through. Number one. Sing. I just, I'm keeping you on your toes. I know. I was, like, I was waiting for a cheer and, <laughs> and he never came. So that's good. Oh, well. So, uh, have you, you've not seen <clears throat> Sing, have you? No, I'm a grown man. You're a grown man, no need to see so. <laughs> but, uh... No, I, I'm, I'm sure I will see it eventually, because I want to hear Nick Kroll as a... German sp- pig. As a German spandex-clad pig. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I am fine. How are you? Yeah, I've, I've seen him as a 70-year-old New York man. Now I want to see him... Oh, really? Really? Did, did you see Nick Kroll on Broadway, Case? Because you've never mentioned this. I've never mentioned it. You've never mentioned never it. Mentioned this is news it. to me. I mean, wow. Who, who, who I will knew? talk about that until I die. I know you will. Um, I like Sing. I like the, you know, the, 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 the basics, you know, the nuts and bolts checklist approach that it has to. Here's X Factor as an animated kids' movie with talking animals. Why talking animals? 
Because money, that's why. Mm. And uh, here's Reese Witherspoon, Matthew McConaughey, and and Taron Egerton. Why? Because money. And um, it's a good cast. Yeah, it? good here's cast. here's a soundtrack of popular songs covered by the actors from the film. Why? C answers A, B, and C. See all of the above. And you come out of it and think, actually, you know what? It had enough charm to work. I can't possibly complain about that at the end. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. So, do you want to give me some film news, Mr. Allen, before we, before we start mending fences? Yeah. So, do you know that film The Crow? supposed to be getting a reboot is that the sequel to the birds oh no no that's the birds <laughs> to land's end that is yeah. yes that is a interconnected double bill that i need to do because <laughs> i've got that thing haven't i where i'd like to watch films what? that have a really tenuous what's connection. the one you've got you've got is it the way the, the, way, the way back the, way way, the back. way way back no, the way way back yeah i quite like that one yeah. that's land need to sell that box set absolutely <laughs> do you know those like really terrible ones you get for fiver yeah i know the ones i yeah. totally need to do that okay so was this a reboot of the crow yeah, this is Jason Momoa is the crow now, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And yeah, there's a really, really good um, uh, up and coming uh, director called Corin Hardy. The but, Hallow. Yes, yes. He did the Hallow. Mm-hmm. He is attached to do that. Uh, never mind. Scrap that. He's actually going to do something else. What's he doing instead? He's doing the Nun, which is a spin-off of the, the Conjuring. The Conjuring one. Or the yeah. Conjuring. The, the Conjuring. Have told me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Actually, it's a spin-off of the Conjuring to the Enfield case, I yes, believe, is. which is what we call it when you go to London. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need a picture of me next to me. We really do. Yeah, we really do. Yeah, for but, uh, So yeah, he's going to be doing that. So I don't know. Again, I don't know where the Crow reboot stands. Right? Does anybody actually care? Is there an audience out there desperate to see the Crow remade with Ronan from Stargate Atlantis? I want to see that. I, I want. I want to. Okay. I want to see Jason Samosa. As yes, I, that's what I call him. <laughs> Jason, Jason Samosa. Because I accidentally called him Samosa once, and now it's kind of stuck. stuck I want to see him as Eric Draven, um, but. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think just just move on. Yeah, I'm going. And that it seems too. like Corbin Hardy has. Yeah, I mean, I really loved his direction in in uh, the Hallow. It's a re- yeah, visually me too. really me too. amazing film. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's a pretty good get for it for, is for the nun. That's uh, that is. I think he's hitched his he's, he's hitched himself to a good wagon there, and I think uh, it's, gonna it's, hitch a wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Having him, having him join the Conjuring brand—that's really something. I mean, I can't remember for the life of me who directed Annabelle, but you know, no, I can't. No, but he actually is someone notable for that. Has the sequel to Annabelle come out yet? No, it is coming though. It is coming. Isn't there a teaser trailer? Oh, probably. These things sort of, sort of merge into one. I don't know. Who can- I yeah. barely had time for the first Annabelle. Anyway, speaking no. of films, okay. Fences. Fences. Which is the most blunt segue you'll ever hear. <laughs> so, uh, speaking of uh, film, Fences. So this is, this, this is, is it the fourth film to be directed by Denzel, or the third? I think it's the third. Third or fourth. He's done The Great Debaters and something else. And the one I always forget. <laughs> yeah, case in point, we both forgot. What is it? No, he's in Glory. He's in Glory. One Oscar for Glory. Of course. Uh, Oh, man, what was it? Talk, I'll find it. Okay, right. So, latest from director Denzel Washington. Oh, I've remembered. uh, Is uh, Antoine Fisher. Yes, there we are. Thank you. Um, (laughs) 
So this is based on the play of the same name, which uh, starred uh, James Earl Jones originally and is something I must see before I die. Yeah. But um, it's the story of it's a, it's a you know three act play structure, and it seems to take place in it, it takes place in in the late fifties, early sixties. It's a story of a boy, a, you know, a teenage boy growing up and his relationship with his. But I, would, I don't think I'd call him an abusive father. Kind of emotionally he, absent father, I would yeah, say. Yeah, and he's he's strict but appropriate for the time. Yes, know. very much. Played yeah. by Denzel Washington. There are shades of alcoholism in there. I wouldn't call him a full-blown alcoholic. But um, it is about this family dynamic and how it affects the lives of, well, the mother played by Viola Davis, the son played by the actor whose name I forget, which annoys me. Uh, Stephen Henderson? I think so. It might be yeah. Stephen Henderson. And the, the best friend as well. We have a clip of father and son facing off. And this is, they've managed to market the whole film on this clip. And mm. there's a good reason because it is the film's great moment. How come you ain't never liked me? Like you? Who the hell said I got to like you? What law is there say I got to like you? Want to stand up in front of my face and ask a damn fool ass question like that? Talking about liking somebody. Come here, boy, when I talk to you. Straighten up, damn it. I asked you a question. What law is there say I got to like you? None. All right, then. Don't you eat every day? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't you eat every day? Yeah. As long as you're in my house, you put a sir on the end of it when you talk to me. Yes, sir. You eat every day. Yes, sir. Got a roof over your head. Yes, sir. Got clothes on your back. Yes, sir. Why do you think that is? Because of you. <laughs> Hell, I know it's because of me, but why do you think that is? Because we like him. Right. Terrific performance in this from Denzel. And uh, he's nominated for this, isn't he? Yeah. So it's a two, two-way two horse, really. Him and Casey Affleck. Uh, yeah. And to be fair, I can see why it's a two-horse race as well, because it is a really captivating performance. It is very mm. charismatic, and it manages to make a completely unlikable character worryingly likable and worryingly watchable. And that is really terrifying, given... The dark-hearted nature of the... I mean, not dark-hearted is the wrong term. I know he's yeah. doing everything for a reason. Right, so, um, on the directorial front, Denzel, I, I really like this. I think he's done something quite impressive here, which is, he, it is visibly stage play-like. It, it very much has that. And I mean, the screenplay is adapted by its own writers, August Wilson. August Wilson, yeah. Um, what he's done is actually he's t- basically taken the chance to step back and say, right, the performances are why we're all here. It's, this isn't a thing about story. This isn't about twist. This is all about relationships and characters. So everybody go nuts. And they do. And Stephen Henderson as the best friend as, is it Bono? Is his name Bono? Yes. Yes. Um, Stephen yeah, Henderson. Sorry, I, I got confused. Stephen Henderson plays the best friend. Yeah, absolutely terrific. I I actually thought, watching him in this, how did he not come cl- at least close to getting a Best Supporting Actor nomination? Because really, the supporting actor is quite a... It's a very jam- strong cast, isn't it? One. Uh, yeah. But Joven Adepo as the son, Cody, um, who you heard in the clip, facing off with, the, with his on-screen dad there. Um, I really loved him in this. I thought there's something, there's a, a, a young David Oyelowo kind of a quality to him. Yeah, they look kind of similar um, as well. They have the same kind of presence, and that was really something I, I found very intriguing. Um, Viola Davis, I didn't think got uh, more than, I think, two big scenes to shine. Yeah. I mean, but they are worthy scenes. I did think Russell Hornby, um, I thought was kind of weirdly 
weirdly cast. I thought it was a bit too old for the part he was playing. Mm. I know that part of the story is that Denzel's had him when he was very young, when he was basically still a teenager, but he still looks too old for even that. Russell Hornby looks more or less the same age as Denzel Washington, who in this movie is, you know, he's, he's, you know, kept the grey in for this one. So, you know, fair play. Um, I did really like it though. I was intrigued. The fact that it's two hours 19, you don't really feel that, I don't think. It, if you look at it as a three act structure, it does work very well. It does keep you gripped. It does keep you interested. And that's, yeah, I mean, what more to say than that? I mean, you want to say anything on this? Yeah, I liked it. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. I liked it too. Um, yeah, I was really blown away by this. I, I talked something genuinely impressive. So, film of the week then. Where do we go? Let's go to Gotham. Let's go to Gotham. Yeah. Even if I've not seen it, I'll just... I, I feel like you've, you've given me enough info about it. Educated guess? To say that, yes. If, if I tell you that... Don't uh, tell me anymore. No, no, but I will just tell you that your favourite Batsuit does come back. Oh, that's good. Yes. Yeah. Everyone's sort of childhood favourite Batsuit does come back. Um, right, so, yeah, film of the week, Lego Batman movie. Um, it was publicly previewing last weekend, I believe, on Saturday and Sunday. It's out Friday the uh, the 10th this week. Uh, definitely go and see it. Um, I didn't get to see it in 3D, so I, was, I can't judge it on that, to be honest. Uh, right, so, next week, we've got some uh, unique properties to come. First of all, we've got Patriots Day, which yes. is the, the team-up, the re-team-up, as it were, between Mark Wahlberg and uh, Peter Berg. Peter Berg. Yeah. Uh, will uh, Marky Mark uh, have a Boston accent? Oh, I hope so. I hope he's got I his think Ted accent. It's going to be his most Boston we've ever heard. <laughs> I really want him to have the Ted accent yeah. back. Uh, we've got Lost in France next week. We've got Love of My Life. We've got uh, Hidden Figures. We've got The Founder, which is a movie I've been dying to yes. see for years. Uh, we've got Multiple Maniacs, the long-forgotten John Waters film from the 70s, which oh. I think they had shelved. Uh, we've got The Great Wall. Matt Damon goes Chinese. Is that next That's week already? next week. Oh, we will review Fifty what? Shades Darker next week as well because obviously it wasn't press show. Yeah, let's treat so ourselves. Everyone's seeing it. All the critics are seeing it publicly on Friday morning, <clears throat> and so you're gonna you're gonna pay to see it. I'm, I'm gonna pay to see it. I know for a fact that Mark Kermode is in the ten fifteen at the Baker Street branch of the Everyman Cinema. There you go. So if you want to go chase down Mark Kermode, <laughs> this goes out go. three hours after he will have seen it. But never mind. Um, and of course, we all know what everyone really cares about next week, don't we? Yeah. What is it? Something tactical. It's Mr. John Wick. He's back for a second chapter. Yeah, I is. can't wait. Same. Edge of my seat. Have you seen the honest trailer for John Wick? I have. First. And yeah. do you know what? I think I think they went a little easy on it. Because <laughs> it's great. Because it's great. Yeah. I loved it, though. So, John Wick is one of my favourite movies of the last five years. I cannot wait for the sequel. I know it's going to let me down. I know there's a decent chance it can just be taken to again. But I'm okay with it. Just as long as I enjoy it, that's fine. Yeah. So we'll no see more that. dog killing as well. Yeah. Well, you don't always kill any more dogs. No, they're not oh. doing that this time. Apparently, yeah. I know people who have seen it. So do people get shot in the head? Because that's all I need to know. Apparently, yeah, one or two people get oh, shot. That's good. Head. That's good then. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see how that turns out next week. In the meanwhile, this has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been as always Case Allen, and we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, cut. Podcast extras, then, Mr. Connor. Always fun. So, do you want to get through this uh, news, then review, news, then review?
New review, new review, new review. Yeah, that works. That yeah. works. Okay, so do go a, on, do take a, it. Review sandwich. A review review sandwich. sandwich. You'll yeah. have smelly dog farts. <laughs> I've not really eaten today. I could do a club sandwich. <laughs> Sorry, uh, food tangent right there. Fair enough. So, uh, give me some film news and stars off. What we got? Right. John Lithgow yep. joins Pitch Perfect 3. I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah. So he's just joined uh, Daddy's Home 2. Mm-hmm. Well, he was in negotiations, yeah. and I feel like he's an actor that rarely turns down a part. Not to say that, like, he's easy to Wait get. Wait a minute. Daddy, oh, no, no, different studios. I was going to say, wouldn't you just had both meetings in the same building? But Daddy's Home was paramount. This is Universal, isn't this it? This is Universal. This yes. is Universal. I only know that because the music for, like, the opening credits for Universal is like a, it's an acapella. Yeah. This is me singing acapella. I'd forgotten that Ruby Rose had joined Pitch Perfect three actually oh yeah she joined a while ago yeah i'd forgotten that somehow yeah but, uh, i know they're not saying who john lithgow is actually playing but i'm are we just gonna go out and let me guess one of the parents possibly i really really hope that he sings because he's he's released an album he say he was a broadway performer at one point wasn't he yeah like way way back decades back there's there's an album of him like singing their uh, broadway standards which i kind of <laughs> shamelessly love fair enough, fair yeah. enough. he sings a song called uh, you gotta have pep which I implore everyone to go find because it's hilarious. Oh, I still to this day am a very big fan of Third Rock from the Sun. Um, oh, as am he, I. He had more than a few chances to uh, to sing and dance in that. Incidentally, Absolutely. I was I was uh, I, had a, I had a really bad hangover the other day, and I was I was watching uh, Third Rock from the Sun, and uh, you'll never guess who turned up as a guest star. Who's that? Playing a rebellious goth teen girl who's like you know sending uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt down the wayward path, Linda Cardellini. Really? Yeah. She was a pointless answer on Pointless the other day. <laughs> Have I ever told you my pointless yeah. story? Uh, is this a story about Pointless or just a about, pointless story? A story about Pointless. Go on. Uh, years ago, they asked, on, on like it was a celebrity edition of, of Pointless or whatever, they asked uh, you know, actors from The Dark Knight and someone said, Bern Gorman. And, uh, oh, yeah I, yeah, I watched that one. And, yeah. you got to, and you got to hear the greatest sentence ever, which is, that's right, Bern uh, Gorman is Pointless. pointless. Fair enough. I can't remember Fair who enough. I said. I remember playing playing that one as well. I think I, I, I think I said Ken Mutanabe. Yeah, I ran into him outside yeah. the Crucible once. I, he he was one. Oh really? Yeah. But uh, never mind. So I want to find something else. Oh, do you want to do you want to give us a review? And I'll I'll, I'll give you a review. Something. I'm dreading it. You dre- oh yeah, right. Okay, so let's preface this with this should have been an Oscar contender. Well, yeah, should have. It should have because it's directed by Ang Lee. Yeah. Ang Lee has four movie Oscars. He does. It was Ang Lee pushing the envelope tech-wise. Mm-hmm. Really good cast, and Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, yeah. Um, what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to point fingers specifically, but a screenwriter might have been nice, a decent mm. screenwriter. Um, competent performances, they would have been really good. Okay, so this um, is... Any uh, kind of visible directorial personality. <clears throat> that, that might have worked. So before you go straight for the jugular, this is uh, Berlin's long half-time walk. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is shot. Okay, I'll, I'll get to the technical side of it in a minute. This is the story of Billy Lynn, who has been ca- he's serving in Afghanistan. He has been captured on video, say, well, trying to save his dying commander. What have you just seen on your screen that's lit your face up? Sorry. You- <laughs> Go on. So the trailer, the full trailer for the Lego Ninjago movie, yes, has just gone online. Okay. Well, once line earlier, and the first poster has just gone online. With possibly the best tagline I've ever oh, seen. Oh, please don't. What is it? It is, find your inner peace. 
piece smelt like a piece of Lego. One, that is one, incredible. Yeah. Right. Sorry, that's, that's super I did see it like a plea Carry on. Forgot. Carry on. Uh, right, so, this, so he's been captured. He's been captured on film, and the, the video's gone viral. And it's him and an yeah. act of heroism trying to save his platoon commander, played by Vin Diesel. And... Um, is he Joe Alwyn? I think his name is. I think he's a first timer. He's a relatively unknown actor. Yes. And uh, they return to the they return to to stateside, and the whole squad are being referred to as the Bravos. They, they're going on what's effectively a PR tour, and the idea is they're going to come out the halftime show of of whatever football game, and it's basically about him assessing his priorities, deciding does he want to go back to war? Is there a life for him outside of the service? Bear in mind this kid's like you know twenty, and uh, you know his, his sister, played by Kristen Stewart, is trying to convince him to leave on medical grounds, claim PTSD. Etc. And in the meanwhile, he also meets a very attractive cheerleader who he falls in love with because that that yeah that, that that's perfectly understandable. Here's a clip. You doing okay? We're there. We just try to get through the day in one piece. I've been seeing this shrink. He used to work at the VA hospital, seeing a lot of soldiers. Cat, okay. I'm fine. You're fine? How? There are a ton of ways you could get shipped home. Or at least out of active duty. I mean, you're a decorated hero, Billy. You've done your part. There's no shame in it. I've done my research. I made a commitment. To what? We both know exactly why you signed up. Yeah, well, I'm going back, Cat. Kristen Stewart and Joe Alwyn there, and it's just not a very good film at all. That's a, that's a huge shame. It really is. So, the, the technical side of this. This is in 3D, in 4K, at 160, 120 frames a second? 120 frames a second. So, it looks kind of like your living room HD TV amped up to 11. Yeah. Which is how I felt when the first Hobbit film came out. Exactly. When every, all, everything, all the props looked like they were made of rubber, didn't they? Because yeah. of the, the weird effect. Um, the performances are nothing to cry home about. Garrett Hedlund seems to be continuing his campaign to torch his own career. I don't know when he embarked, when he started this, but it seems to be his running thing now. It was like post-Tron, I think. Yeah, post-Tron. Yeah. He just did... Oh no, Post-On the Road, I would say. After On the Road. I quite liked him in On the Road. Yeah, I liked yeah. him in there. After that, though, he seems like he's now determined... I am going to make myself the new Emil Hirsch. And do you know what? He's really succeeding. Fair play to him. He's really succeeding on those rather limited grounds. Uh, Kristen Stewart actually is the best thing in this film, <laughs> which, you know, I've, I've not seen Personal Shopper yet, so I've, I'm unaccustomed to saying Kristen Stewart's great. I've heard good things about Personal Shopper, actually. I have as well. Um, but, yeah, she's the best thing in this film, but that doesn't mean she's got an awful lot to work with because, again, she hasn't. She's got probably two scenes, two, three scenes tops. Yeah. Um, the whole thing... You're detached from looking at it because of the, the 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 frame rate. You're detached from feeling it because of the awful writing. You're detached from getting emotionally involved because of the awful performances. And then to cap it all off, the guy behind the guy behind the wheel just is half asleep. There's no visible Ang Lee personality in this, and that's a shame because it's Ang Lee. This is not some no namer. This is not Stephen C. Miller. This is Ang Lee. Stephen C. Miller, the director of, uh, what do you call it, Extraction? <laughs> you remember the one? Oh, get yourself to the burn unit, <laughs> Extraction. <laughs> yeah. Just of all the people to he also, direct, he also directed Marauders. 
and and is <laughs> and if you enter a competition, <laughs> if you enter a competition, you can win rewards. He's also directing Escape Plan Two now. So, ah, uh, yeah, cheeky bit of film news. Yeah, cheeky yeah. bit of film news. There. Hey, you there? Did you want a sequel to Escape Plan Two? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, fair play. Yeah. Oh god, that movie had some great lines in it. I just remember Stallone's kill line being "boom," <laughs> and then he killed uh, John Reese in person of interest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, just just avoid. It plays like a lifetime TV movie. Do you think that is because of the frame rate? No, no, because even I, 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 I took at a point. I just thought I need. I'm going to step back and I need to soak this in. Ignore the visual side of it. Let's just focus on it for ten minutes as a film in its own right, on its own merits. And no, it's hokey hogwash. In fact, it felt like someone had taken the dramatic scenes from Act of Valor and stitched them together and then expanded them to make a full-blown movie. It was like watching the end sequence from Lone Survivor played out as an entire oh, right, movie. Yeah, where. Yeah. Peter Gabriel's version of Heroes is playing it, yeah. <laughs> exactly that, yeah. yeah. And you're like, I know you kind of, you want to do something like the dramatic side of, of Lone Survivor, like the, the, the return home, but really, you've not got the material here. And uh, no, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. I hated it. Really, well, no, didn't hate it, because I couldn't muster the energy to hate it. I was bored by it. Yeah. I was bored by it. I, I mean, but anyway, how often can you genuinely say that Vin Diesel was the person was, person with some of the most charisma in the film? I don't know. Have you seen the Super Bowl TV spot for Fate and Furious? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But yeah, Vin Diesel has a lot of charisma in this movie. Uh, that's, a yeah, low, not, that's a low bar. Not since Boiler Room, <laughs> could you say? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. That's just uh, the first Riddick movie, the Pitch Black. Oh, but, man, uh, yeah. Yeah, let's go. God, back. Yeah. Anyway, have some news. Have, have some, some news, news on me, sir. Go on, what you got? For? Uh, absolutely free. Gratis news. Uh, so, David Fincher, right, this is the Finch. Just, What's the, the Finch? Finch? What's the Finch got for David him? Fincher. Uh, right, okay, this is insane. He wants to direct the sequel to World War Z. Or okay. World War Z, depending on where you live in I the world. I go with Z, to be honest. World War Z. Yeah. yeah. I've always said World War Z. Apparently, he wants to direct that. Okay. And he was courted because him and Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt yeah, are they, BFFs. Yeah, they've got like little rings. Like say, Twenty I years. You. I think twenty years they've been working together, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Done seven. Done Fight Club. Did Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Exactly. They have a rapport. Their they films are form. usually pretty good. They usually are. Benjamin Button is Fight fine. Club okay. does not suck. No, it does not. <laughs> I was talking to someone today that didn't, that has, has never actually seen Fight Club. Oh, wow. And then he said, I'm going to go home and, uh, I'm going to go home, watch it. I will tell you about it tomorrow. And I said, you can't. You can't tell me about it. You know, if it's I, if I ever uncovered a genie mm. in a bottle and uh, I got three wishes, yeah. um, well, after the unlimited bank balance and the improved penis size, my third wish would be to see Fight Club for the first time again. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to, yeah, if it was some kind of like men in black, a razy tool. Yeah. Where just, could just raise the time I saw Fight Club and let me see it again. I don't know. Like I would watch Six Sense again. I just I'd click it and then see Six Sense again. Yeah. I just I do all all the great twists in films. You know what I'd love Rosebud. to see? Yeah. yeah. For me, weird one. Uh, cinema experience. I wish I could have back. Uh, the very first time I saw Independence Day in 1996. See, I never saw it at the cinema, so uh, I'd be up for that. Or, or Twister in 1996. Yeah. Or do you know what I do? I'd raise the time when I saw uh, um, the sequel to Independence Day. <laughs> I would would erase so many bad movies. Like, I would never have seen Synecdoche, New York. Oh, well, Um, you know, you're wrong for that. (laughs) And on that note, let's carry on talking about this. It's a World War Z sequel. Yeah, right, okay. So, it is is mad. Dave Fincher wants to direct it. Brad Pitt Mm. wants him to direct it. Paramount are apparently dragging their heels as to whether they want to. There is a question. Is there a demand for, you know, now for a World War Z sequel? I I will... 
I will answer your question with a question, sir. Go on. Is there a demand for a David Fincher directed zombie film? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, there is. Because but- people are always just championing a bit for him to do anything. He's he's now one of these filmmakers where people will go see whatever he's putting out. He's he's that level of auteur. No. The funny thing with World War Z is for all the production troubles that it had, it turned out way better than anyone expected. I actually think it's a pretty damn good movie. It's all right. right. I enjoyed um, it. And it made it made bank. It's actually the most financially successful movie Brad Pitt has ever been in. Yeah, it made uh, just shy of six hundred million yeah. worldwide, which you wouldn't think it. Yeah, for the budget it was on, that's pretty good. It is surprising actually when you look at some of these A-list stars how low uh, their movies actually earn. Like George Clooney movies don't earn an awful lot. No, they don't. They earn a claim. Yeah, they earn a claim. His movies don't actually earn that much money, and I think Brad oh, Pitt yeah, is absolutely. along similar lines. Yeah, but it's that kind of like he's one of the last remaining megastars yeah, that we have. Yeah, he's, he's what Johnny Depp was five years ago. Yeah, I think well, ten years ago. Yeah, I think Brad Pitt needs to needs to do World War Z two, do a third, get it out of his system, stop being a movie star at that point, and then just go and become the new Redford. That's what we're saying. That's he needs to need. direct. He's, he's producing. He's got his Oscar for Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. He's producing. Fine. Plan B. We love it. No, exactly. It's so fantastic. you know what, Brad. You know, f- fill out the uh, the last remaining years of 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 Hunk Appeal with uh <laughs> with, with the, you know, the this franchise, yeah. and then then go and be the Redford. But I, I feel like we're missing the point about a <laughs> studio, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> about a studio not wanting to have a David Fincher zombie film, and he wants to he wants to do it not just because of you know his BFF, mm. but because the writer uh, is a guy called Dennis Kelly who did Utopia. Now this is where the plot thickens. Okay, go on, because go on. David Fincher. Once Upon a Time was supposed to be doing a remake for HBO of Utopia. Okay. And that would have been incredible. I do remember that. But yeah. HBO got worried about the budgets. And mm. David Fincher was also supposed to be making another show for HBO, and that also got pulled because of the budget. Is this when he... Because he had a bit of a television itch for a while. Is this when he went over and did House of Cards? Around the same time? Yeah, around the same time mm. pre-Gone Girl. It was like just yeah. before they started work on Gone Girl. God, really. I love Gone Girl. Yeah, it's great, isn't yeah. it? But off the back of Gone Girl now... Not that he ever kind of went away, but like his popularity is as big as it's ever been. Yeah, I mean, I always loved yeah. Fincher, and he likes to take left turns, and this would be a really big, exciting left turn. You know what's take. an underrated David Fincher movie? The Game. It is the Game. Yeah, yeah I love the Game. It's like I can see into your head. It's yep. like I'm Sean Penn. Well, that we've named every other movie he's done except for Alien Three. So, oh, Panic Room. But, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, I uh, could have said Panic Room, but ooh, no, like no Panic one ever Room. says Panic Room. I could watch Panic Room again. I don't mind it. It's all right. Yeah, it's one of those I can watch every five years. I like a bit of Jodie Foster. Uh, I, I like, like saying uh, Jodie Foster like her, like she says it. <laughs> I like Foster. that weird Andrew Kevin Walker cameo that's in it. Yeah, it's Jared Leto in that as well. Yeah, Jared Leto, um, Cornrows. <laughs> Jared Leto with Cornrows, Forrest, Forrest Whitaker. Whitaker, who I think is Townhouse Whitaker in that one, and uh, there's another guy I forget. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I think it's got to be, yeah, 10 years, I think, since I saw it. It's good, anyway. But I really enjoyed it. But yeah, there is my David Fincher news. I want him to make it. You obviously seem not as fussed as me. No, 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 I'm, I'm very fussed. Silly. I'm very fussed, but it's... Uh, I don't think it's going to happen, but I feel like... I, it's don't, not, it's, it. I don't think it's going to I don't gonna think it's going to happen because of the studio, which... What the f***? <laughs> exactly. Fair enough. So, in the meanwhile, uh, let me uh, do Love True real quick, um, which is this produced by Shia LaBeouf 
arty. And these are going to be very quick reviews, these next two, because we don't have clips. We don't have <laughs> because clips you've anyway. just said Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, but That's also, we don't have clips anyway, so it's not like we can make them sufficiently entertaining. No. Um, this, is based, this, this purports to be a trio of, pathet- of poetic... I said pathetic, then. <laughs> poetic love stories. That's the idea. And, and, you know, there's not really a connection between them. What you've got is, you've got the story of an African-American family with the father who possibly has another family. You've got the story of a young surfer guy who has just discovered that his son is actually not his son and is um, actually has actually been born of his ex-girlfriend cheating on him with them, one of his friends. Mm. And then you've got another story, which is about a young girl with self-esteem issues who's become a stripper who's trying to have her first proper relationship. And there is no connection between these things, and I don't know why this exists, but it does. Um, It is kind of weird. It's designed to look like a documentary, but I don't think it is because it actually has actors in it. And okay, so like like a mockumentary, like maybe. a mockumentary in a sense, <laughs> but a really unwielding <clears throat> art house attempt at one. It's um, I say it's got like Shia LaBeouf producing. It's only eighty two minutes, so it's kind of disposable. It doesn't particularly you know insist upon itself. But um, Alma Harrell is the the director on this mm. one, and she brought us remember Bombay Beach? Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's what seven eight years ago. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's uh, Omar anyway, and it's it's one of those that you just look at and you just think there is no audience alive that is going to genuinely claim to enjoy this because it's not something you can enjoy. It's kind of something you take in. You just endure. Yeah, I yeah. personally would have ditched the first two storylines and just made the movie about the the teenage girl stripper because actually that was kind of interesting. The way that the, the, her life, the way that she depicted her life and the story of this relationship and the idea of a young man having to sort of make peace with himself and, and his, his girlfriend's job, that was intriguing. There was a genuinely interesting story mm. there. I thought, okay. The other stories really have nothing to them. So you spend most of your time with the, the stripper storyline anyway. And yeah, I mean, to be honest, I came away and just thought, "What?" Well, I feel like I've just watched like one and three quarters of a movie where there was a movie and then there was just, just like just little bits. bits of two other movies. Stuff. And yeah, it's a very, very strange time. It, you can, the fact that Shia LaBeouf produced it makes a whole heap of sense when you see the finished film. He's just like, yeah. you're like, yeah, of course yeah. you did. Of course you did, Shia. We forced wear uh, um, like a paper bag <laughs> exactly. upon entry. <laughs> Like you feel like you should go in and they just hand you cocktail onions. Yeah. It's something ridiculously pretentious. And then like there that. wasn't actually a cinema screen. <laughs> someone, <laughs> someone just painted the. Film. Hey, it's line drawings. Line, line drawings is what it is. Yeah, yeah it's totally it. Yeah. But oh Thank god, God-like. it was. Yeah. So yeah. um, on the mm. World War Z news, news on the World War Z news, <laughs> Jason news. Exactly. Yeah. Didn't they? So they they've cancelled Friday the Thirteenth as well. Yeah. So this was all within the same statement. So mm-hmm. both Friday Thirteenth and World War Z Two, whatever it's going to be, yeah. bloody called Two Z. Um, 2Z, 2Z2, various. 2Z, 2Wildy. Anyway, yeah. Two both. World, two, uh, sorry, hang on. 2Wild, 2Wall, 2Z. There we are. We got there, yeah. There we, we are. Okay, there. we got there, we what got a, there. What a stretch. No, it took a minute, I'm sorry. I did, absolutely. So they were both pulled from Paramount's release schedule. Yeah. Uh, World Z2 was supposed to be coming out this year, this June, I think. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, come on, that's that's not going to happen. Uh, Unless you'd like pull the Cloverfield and you already had it shot. Well, yeah. Um, and uh, Friday the 13th, uh, the reboot, they were like touting it as being a big new thing. Mm. Um, that's been completely shelved. So that, that just ain't going to happen. That's the question why that one, doesn't it? Because 
because Friday the 13th... Well, why, why it was shelved or why it was happening in the first place? Well, I mean, no, I know why it was happening, and that's why I can't believe why it was shelved, because Friday the 13th movies you can make for next to nothing, oh, yeah. and you do effectively print your own money. Yeah, because um, it's, it's brand recognition. Yeah. People but know it. it is, it's brand recognition. You just, and... you just need a lake. Really, don't you? <laughs> I mean, did you see the last remake of Friday the 13th? I did. The, the, hang on, which one from Supernatural was the lead in that? It was um, it was Dean from Gilmore Girls, so he's Sam from Supernatural. There we are. So Jared, Jared Hadawadalecki, um, and yes. uh, Caitlin Snow. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, Ka- yeah. Caitlin Snow from The Flash, and that was the one with Jason, the angry pot farmer. Yeah, which is just the weird- weirdest uh, thing. It's crazy. Isn't it? it was also the one that had all these weird little racial moments in it that no one seemed to pick up on, which yeah. I thought was just terrifying. <laughs> Well, we watched the movie with any kind of, of genuine eye for it, and you could be horrified. But, uh, yeah, you would be printing your own money. I can't believe they're not going ahead with that. I know what has also been delayed, by the way. Go on. Bad Boys 3. It's been pushed back. Is it something like nine months to a year? Does that mean that we're going to see Will Smith as Dumbo? Yeah, yeah. Will Smith will be in Dumbo. <laughs> Bad Boys 3 has been pushed back. The release date for Bad Boys 4 has been scrapped entirely. And Martin Lawrence is just sat on a porch somewhere, yeah. just being like, come on, man. I, I guarantee you, Martin Lawrence reached for the Jack Daniels the minute he heard that news. He's like, no, he, oh, just, no. He, he reached for the phone saying, Netflix, can I have another special? <laughs> <laughs> I'm funny. I'm, I'm a stand-up again. The only movie anyone knows me in anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from Big Mama's house. Does that have an audience, the Big Mama series? Like, is, it, there, is there an know. audience out there that's desperate for that? Um, not since Tyler Perry started making films. Yeah, good point, because that is kind of encouraging kind of, on, yeah, on TV. Yeah, has has done that. Right, okay, so Liam Neeson is going back to being Liam Neeson again. Okay, what's he doing he now? He signed up for a film with the most Liam Neeson-y title I've ever heard. Blood Fist. No, Hard Powder. <laughs> okay, totally, yeah, yeah that, that, that's about right. Listen yeah. to this for a logline for a film. Go on, what do you got for me? <clears throat> right. Hard Powder sees Neeson playing Nels, an upright snowplow driver in a glitzy Colorado <laughs> ski town, whose life is turned upside down when his son is murdered by a powerful local drug kingpin. He then seeks to dismantle the cartel, but his vengeful crusade sparks a turf war between a oh Viking gangster what? and a Native American mafia boss. W- what? Take my money. <laughs> yeah, half my money. I want to see that. That was amazing. First of all, let, yeah, let's just dissect that for a minute. Viking gangster. Yeah, Vi- Viking. Amazing. What the hell is a Viking gangster? And then secondly, a Native American mafia boss. I'm, I'm in. I mean, yeah, I'm totally in. I feel like the second one I can get more on board with because <laughs> casinos, you feel like there's some money laundering going on there. Viking oh. gangster, awesome. Viking gangster. Where has Travis Fimmel's gotten the call for no, this no. one? No, no. Tormund Giantsbane from Game of Thrones. No way. Really? I, well, I, I don't know if he's he's been approached. Oh. But that's, that's who you get. Come that on, that's who you get. That, that, that could absolutely That's who you work. get for that film. Oh, wow, that is that is deranged. Yeah, apparently it's a remake of uh, a Norwegian <laughs> film called uh, In Order of Disappearance oh, with uh, Stellan. Uh, Stellan, I know the one, I yeah, know the one. I've not yeah. seen it. It's, it's been on my list, on Hang my on. Netflix list. I, I reviewed In Order of Disappearance like six years ago, yeah. five, six years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was, I don't remember that plot at all. Did did they skip out on the Viking gangster and the? Maybe if you saw it, we're like, this, this needs more Viking gangster. Needs more dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, needs needs more Viking gangsters <laughs> and Native Indian, uh, Native American uh, mafia, mafia bosses. Boss. Yeah, yeah, that's. Um, oh wow, I, I need it. I need it now. I need that. Is that's deranged. Yes, please. Wow, 
Yeah. I mean, that, that sounds like as bonkers an idea as that Belko experiment thing from James Gunn. Oh, I kind of wait. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, Dr. Oh, Cox, Dr. Cox and Office ma- ma- Massacre? I'm, I'm, I'm there. Like, like, sign me up. It's basically Battle Royale and The Office, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Battle Royale in The Office with the fits from Scandal and Dr. Cox. I mean. And, and Yondu. And Yondu. Yeah, I'm totally in. And David Desmolchin. Because <laughs> I just love saying <laughs> his name. Uh, and uh, Guy from the Newsroom and Cloverfield Line. Yeah. Did, yeah. did you did you say uh, Fitz from Scandal? Yeah. Did you always say that? Yeah. Fitz from Scandal. Fitz from Scandal. Oh, yeah, go and uh, John Gallagher Jr. John Gallagher Jr. There we are. Cast. John Gallagher Jr. Really Couldn't remember the life of me. The guy from the newsroom. Yeah. guy from the newsroom, yeah. Oh, man, I need to I need to stop re-watching the newsroom. Because about every three months... I need to start watching. I still haven't seen it. About every three months, I feel the need to re-watch the newsroom. And I do, because it's only like... You know, it's three one, seasons, isn't it? Three seasons. It's about 18 episodes long. Yeah. But it's good if you need your fix of Sorkin. It, it is. It's very good for that. And that uh, that central Jeff Daniels performance is amazeballs. Yeah, I need to get on it. I just, I just need more more Sorkin in yeah, my life. Just watch the newsroom. It's just, it's Sorkin at his prime. It's it's the best and worst of Sorkin all in one package. And, and oh, you're right. going to you're going to come back at me with the West Wing, but you know because what? Because the West Wing. Is but, no, no, hang on. This, this is this is. In fact, no. A few good men is prime Sorkin. Smaller, more condensed Sorkin. It is. It's. It's all packed into a. Are fine you saying? Point are you saying sphere? that Newsroom is better than West Wing? Because if so, I will fight you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna abstain from this conversation and uh, just possibly wise. and point out that uh, I. I very much love a few good men. As um, do I. And the American president. Hey, you can- actually, no, I'll say that I do not love the current American president. I love Michael <laughs> Douglas being the American president. You got permission from Aunt Ginny? <laughs> I love that movie so That's much. Awesome. Oh uh, man, Kathy, he was the man. Yeah. All right, so let's uh, final review. Final review. <clears throat> Bitter Harvest. It also sounds like a film starring Liam Neeson. <laughs> does it? Does, does it? it not? Yeah. He was a farmer. One day, his farm accidentally burnt down. <laughs> he went after the culprits. Yeah, and it's a remake of uh, Force Majeure. <laughs> It's a remake of Take Shelter with, with gunshots. That's what it needs. That just sounds awesome, doesn't it? When you put it like that. Absolutely. So, Bitter Harvest. Um, mm. This stars... Do you know Max Irons at all? Uh, yeah. Uh, son of uh, Jeremiah. Son of Jeremiah. So, yeah. this is... Um, this, uh, George. This is directed by George Mendeluk, whose work I'm not overly familiar with, I must admit. Uh, Bavarian director for Lonesome. Oh, Lonesome Dove. Okay. Right. Um, don't know the director. I know the film though. And it is, uh, it's this weird sort of, remember how, uh, what was that McConaughey film? Free State of Jones? Right. You remember yeah. how that was kind of like Prince of Thieves? For slavery. Yeah. Yeah. Prince of Thieves for slavery. This is Prince of Thieves for Soviet occupied Ukraine. <laughs> If you can, that's what I wanted. Yeah, if you can imagine that, it, it, that's basically what it is. The only problem is, rather than uh, try and set out its own tone, it's trying to play that idea straight. And okay. as a result, what you get is something that kind of feels like uh, Testament of Youth meets Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Mm. Those two things do not work together. <clears throat> no. Max Irons is not a convincing enough actor to actually pull this off, and the weirdly high-profile supporting cast that's in it don't help matters very much. So you've got, for instance, Terence Howard... Uh, Terence Stamp... Sorry, Terence Howard. Different guy entirely. Uh, Terence Stamp turns up in what's effectively a non-part. Barry Pepper. You know the guy who isn't... Uh, yeah. Alex Winter. The guy who isn't Alex Winter. He turns up, for instance... Um, Richard Brake, you remember him? He killed, he killed guy, Batman's yeah. dad. He did. And then, weirdly, in the middle of all this, an actor that you never really need to see again, Tama Hassan. Who's that guy? 
Tana Hassan is this guy on my phone right there. You notice oh, he's been in yeah. every bad director DVD movie you've seen in the last three years. Yeah, and uh, including one of the Wrong Turn series, mm. which I think it might have been the third one. Can't remember offhand. Right, the film doesn't work. The film, frankly, isn't that interesting, and you do kind of come away from it thinking, "I feel like Free State of Jones was a better attempt to redo Prince of Thieves." <laughs> Thank you very much, and I am including its weird flash-forward sequences in that, as I say it. But uh, do you think yeah. we need a remake for the new generation of uh, Prince Thieves? Yeah, but we're getting there with Taron Egerton, and it's going to do for bows and arrows. What's uh, John, <laughs> John Wick, Wick did, did for guns? Yes. What a crazy statement! Yeah, bullets was. were so unfashionable before John Wick. You know, they were like nobody had guns before John Wick. Yeah. I mean, shh, Paris, I, I, did, did you? They made guns cool. Yeah, I mean, you never saw a gun before John Wick. I and, know what and now, because I, I live in the yeah. UK, not the US. Yeah, now it's just guns on every street corner. And <laughs> Trump's America, isn't it? Trump's, Trump's America. America. Um, oh man, I can't wait for John Wick. <laughs> You don't have long uh, to wait. It's, it's been the longest. It's been like the longest four days of my life waiting, <clears throat> waiting to for see John Wick. John Wick chapter two. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's Monday afternoon for me. Yeah, but uh, can't wait, can't wait. Okay, can't let's wait. wrap up with a little bit of news. A little bit. Okay, what yeah. you got for a little Just, bit? I mean, frankly, Van, I want I want to go and have a coffee. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm on, I'm on board. I'm I want pe- I want pizza. Yeah, let's get coffee and Zars. Yeah, it's it's that. it's Wednesday, and I'll be having pizza for the third time this week. So, <laughs> have you had it on Monday and Tuesday? Yeah, um, I also had. I, I went to a place. Oh my god, you like a you like a like a till. Like exactly, yeah. except you know I don't look hideous and unappealing to children, which the Michael Bay ones have, do. Have 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 more pizzas. Yeah, um, I went to a really lovely place in Soho uh, yes, last so night, New York yes. Fold. Yeah, awesome. Mm. Just, if next time you're there, try it. Honestly, <laughs> next time I'm there. Yeah, like drag me to London, and then that will be the next time I <laughs> next, go to London. Next time you're in London, go to uh, uh, what do you call it, Charing Cross Road. The next time you're in London, treat yourself by getting the first train out of London. I, I don't understand your your anti-London thing. I love London, man. Anyway, uh, anyway, news me, news me. <laughs> I will unnews you. News me, news monkey, news. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> Our boy, Denis, 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 Denis Villeneuve. Oh yes, yes. He is going to be remaking Dune. Uh, this this was rumoured, and now it's official. It's it? official. So yeah. I just thought I'd like to clarify and just say that that is a go-go. He does like sci-fi, doesn't he? Does, so, yeah, this will be his third sci-fi in a row. Yeah. After Blade Runner 2040. Yeah, so we've got rival Blade Runner Dune. Yeah. Wow. You know, I need to watch Arrival again. That I watched oh, it again recently. Um, that's that's great. something in this day and age, to find a director who doesn't mind over committing to sci-fi yeah and also doing two remakes slash reboots yeah that's really something i mean yeah. of like that stature as well mm. well i feel like dune is such a highbrow and and sort of immersive property that giving it to someone like denis villeneuve might be the only way you can pull that off other yeah. than getting christopher nolan to do it well and let's be honest denis might be the better choice out of those two but i feel like he's been ramped up to sort of be the heir to the Nolan throne. A I bit. feel like that. Yeah. Although yeah. it's weird because like Nolan if, if hasn't he, if he had got the throne yet. But I don't know. I yeah. think he's made his own throne, but it's a throne that's like in midair and it spins around. <laughs> he and... made a throne, but it's made only of real original oak. <laughs> <laughs> no CGI oak. No it's, CGI. It's not, it's not the Michael Bay throne. <laughs> the Michael Bay throne, which has flame jets on the side. <laughs> see that video that michael bay made where it's him receiving an oscar but it's no. like a, it's like a green screen cgi oscar no it's amazing it's <laughs> the rock aside it's the best thing that michael bay has ever done oh no 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 i disagree have you ever seen his broadband advert 
I don't forget that. Right, Michael Bay, I think it was uh, four or five years ago, yeah. I think it was around the time of Transformers 2, actually, did an advert for the Super Bowl mm. for one of the broadbacks, which might have been Verizon or Fios or someone, and uh, his point was he talked to camera, he walked into the living room of his fancy Hollywood mansion and said, hi, I'm Michael Bay, and I like things to be awesome, and then blew up the house behind him, and he just kept walking through this advert, blowing things up with really exaggerated CGI explosions. I need to watch that immediately. You do, yeah. It, yeah. It's genuinely terrific. Um, and it's the only time I've ever known Michael Bay to be self-aware. Mm. So, yeah, fair play to him. A <laughs> um, couple of awards were given out. Um, I'll just talk about a couple of the guilds. Okay. Um, these are, like, usually your Oscar precursors. So, didn't, this person uh, wins one, they're going to get an Oscar. Didn't Marshall Alley get one? Yeah, so he won uh, the SAG Award for Best Supporting. Uh, Viola Davis won for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, Emma Stone won for Best Actress. And, rather controversially, mm-hmm. Denzel won for best, for best Actor. For Hidden Fences. For Hidden Fences. For Hidden Fences. Indeed. Okay. Um, yeah, so... This has made it more interesting because it's not just a cut and shirt. Oh, Casey Affleck's going to win. Yeah, but here's the thing about that. Um, so Casey Affleck has been winning pretty much everything else. Yeah, other than this, uh, Denzel's not been nominated for BAFTA as well. Oh, in fact, Denzel Washington has never wow been nominated for BAFTA. That is shocking in his entire career. Huh. This is a man that's won two Oscars. That is weird. Isn't it's it? bizarre, isn't it? So it's like BAFTA just have something against Denzel. Why are you hating on Denzel, BAFTA? <laughs> Why are you hating you on DZ, DZ, man? DZ. <laughs> I hating on DZ. DZ, DZ, DZW. Exactly. <laughs> DZW, man. Yeah. But, um, yeah, apparently, um, well, have you heard the stuff about Casey Affleck and there was a, there was a court case a couple of years ago, a domestic abuse no, kind of thing? No, I didn't know anything about it. Right. So, wind of that has gone to, the people contributed to the SAG Awards, which is just based just about. Oh, so the, the idea actors. is this, the actors, this is this is kind of ruined him. No, there's a precedent bit. for this, yeah. Um, and it was Russell Crowe years yes. ago when it was kind of it was it was a given he was going to win. It was the year that Training Day actually won awards. It was yes. that year. And Denzel. It, <laughs> yeah, it went up against Beautiful Mind, and yeah. it was a given that Beautiful Mind was going to sweep those awards. Yeah, and he won uh, Oscar for picture, mm-hmm. supporting actress, and for director. Yeah, and the whole thing was because. That's when he didn't he shove the newspaper editor against the bathroom wall or something. Yeah. But that's apparently what spiraled that out. Yeah. So. so because like previous actions, the Casey Affleck thing that was thrown out of court. Apparently, it didn't. Yeah. It didn't happen. But just the the sheer smell of it being around. <laughs> Fair enough. Just a bit older. Do you think Denzel in his house when he's got that little shelf, that little floating shelf he no doubt has with his two Oscars on? Yeah. Do you think when he's guiding Next to people? A picture of, uh, uh, Barack Obama. Yeah. yeah. I, I, do you think when he's giving people the tour around his house, says, and this is my first Oscar, and this is my Russell Crowe Oscar? Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you think he calls it? This is my uh, virtuosity Oscar. Gassi, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forget they worked together, yeah. didn't they? On virtuosity, yeah. which is so brilliantly terrible. Isn't it? It really is. I, I listened to a podcast called How Did This Get Made? Where they basically discuss terrible films. Oh. I cannot wait until they do an episode about that film. Oh, good oh, God. It's... Virtuosity. It was, it was just, that was something, yeah. wasn't it? It's, it's basically future cops is what it is. But, um, ahead terrible. of, ahead of the founder next week, can I, can I briefly tell you, um, about my fascination with, with Ray Kroc? 
Yes, please. So back in 2004, um, when Super Size was out, I, uh, I I don't know how I, I somehow got a hold of. I might have been the book the founder is based on, um, but I got a hold of a book about the about the, the history of McDonald's, mm. and I was fascinated by it. It was a really well written book. Can't remember the title or who wrote it, um, but I remember um, I took my sister. I picked my sister up from school one day, and she asked, "Can we? Can you stop by McDonald's on the way home?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." We stop in, and I didn't know at this point that they had stopped doing the supersized meals because of supersized meals, and that they had brought in salads. Mm. And I was in a really, really bad mood that day, and... (laughs) You know, you know me. I like because it was the day of the week ending in Y. Yeah, I, yeah. You, know, you know, I like to run my mouth. And, <laughs> really? Right. Hey, man, tell me about Billy Lynn again. <laughs> no, and um, the guy. I ordered my burger and my quarter pounder, and the guy said, "Would you like fries or a salad with that?" And I just chuckled. And said, Sorry, what? And the guy says, "Would you like fries or a salad with that?" And what? What, what was that second option? A salad. Hmm? But what do you mean a salad? It's McDonald's. Says, yeah, we do salads. And I went, Ray Kroc did not die so that you could start selling salads. Did what, you know who Ray Kroc was? Not, just glazed over look. I had no idea. I went, fries, please. And, yeah. That's You're it. a stubborn bastard. <laughs> just, Would you have me any other a, way? He was just a guy just trying to trying to do his job, trying to provide excellent customer service, giving you the option of fries a on salad. a salad. A salad? A sal- He's just trying to give him the option. Why don't you just give me a side of croutons? I, just, I wish that he did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. <laughs> I got nothing, Kate. Uh, and I'm back. It was your moment of cage. Hey, my snakeskin jacket. Thanks, baby. Did I ever tell you that this here jacket represents a symbol of my individuality and my belief in personal freedom? <laughs> 